and welcome to Four Color Nerds Comic Book Reviews. This is episode 100. That's right, you heard me, 100. I'm Carissa, and I'm joined by all the other nerds, Ryan. Hello. Christina. Hey. And Matt. We made it! (laughs) Barely. (laughs) Barely, and we're all dying today. Come sliding in on empty with flames shooting out the back, but hey, (laughs) we're here. (laughs) This is the sicky version. And hungover. Yeah. <laughs> well, really, what could be a better summary than sick, hungover? <laughs> and we might have lost one. We don't know. <laughs> the weekly barrage of comics and comic-related news can be scary, so we are here to let you know what to check out and what to avoid. We read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them, as well as anything else that pops into the world of comics and well our minds. There's a chance of spoilers. If you're worried about them, take a break now and go read your pull list and then come on back. This week, we will be reviewing Batman number 36. The DC Universe Holiday Special number one. Doctor Strange, 382. Batman, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, number one. Guardians of the Galaxy, number 148. The Jetsons, number two. Paradiso, number one. Captain America, number 696. And on Pull, Pass, or Complain About It on the Internet, we have Batman White Knight, number three. Avengers number 974, and Amazing Spider-Man and Venom, Venom Incorporated number one. Stop the presses, this just in, news from the bullpen. Well, it's not so much news this week as kind of a look behind the curtain at how we do things and how we, we got here. So I thought I would kind of go back and give the origin story of the podcast. So originally, I had wanted to do a podcast with my friends to talk about comics, since that's kind of what we do anyway. Anyway, but at the time that I wanted to do it, not everyone was going to be able to do it. Some people were busy with work. Some people had new little kids that needed a lot more time. So we kind of had to go in a different direction. So I made a Facebook discussion group where for about a year or so, we would talk about books with different people. And eventually, everyone reached a point in their life where they had time to be able to do the podcast. It actually, the evolution from that Facebook group to this podcast started with Matt saying, do you guys want to do a podcast? At which point, that's when everyone said yes. And from there, we've been doing this for 100 episodes. So I thought I would also kind of explain how we kind of do things. Every week, one of us will pick what their favorite book is from a list that we put together. It's not a group vote. It's entirely up to the person whose week it is what they consider their favorite book. The way we figure out the books we're going to cover is we go through and we look for number ones and special events. And we try and include as many of those as we can. And then we give the individual people a choice of what book they want to cover. So we're trying to cover both the big events that are kind of essential to understanding comics, but then also has our own personal flavor in it. We also have some of kind of our fan favorites like Saga and Rat Queens and Doctor Strange and all of those Star Wars for a while. Some of the picks have been also kind of like our fan favorite. Like Star Wars when it was good. There are yeah. ones that like, for example, Doctor Strange, Star Wars, books like that that everyone would choose anyway. So we just kind of include those in. Anything Tom King writes. 
<laughs> this will be, as we said, the Kiss Tom King's ass episode, pretty much. So the idea for this is that this is supposed to be a discussion between not only us, but you, the audience. So if there are things that you want to see us cover, topics you want us to discuss, if you reach out to us, odds are very good that we will discuss what you want to discuss or look at a book that you want us to look at. We want there to be participation between us. Just encourage you to to participate and you your actions will be rewarded. We have opinions. There was an idea. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people. See if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to read comic books. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you, Samuel L. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Matt L. Jackson? I don't know. There was, no, there was no fucks in there. That's what you're here for. We all kind of have official titles here. <laughs> Maybe it would be a good idea to list those. For example, my business card says Herder of Cats. Christina, what's yours? She's the purveyor of profanity. That's right. I'm the purveyor of profanity. Matt, you're the nerd emeritus, by the way. Well, that's not valid anymore. <laughs> Rory's now the nerd emeritus. Complainer in chief? I don't know. So what? <laughs> Are you the new booth babe? Oh. <laughs> oh, no. God, no. No one wants that. Carissa, what does your card say? I'm the instigator of tangents. <laughs> See, I think we should fight over that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I have tangents. You mostly come in with weird, obscure facts. Uh, true. Facts true. Way to you add on to what we're discussing. Yes. Chris is like, this is interesting, but let me grab the wheel and swerve over here. Yeah. <laughs> this is interesting, you know, that, but uh, it made me talk about uh, the origins of comic books for about 30 minutes. <laughs> 29 of which will be edited out. <laughs> Do you see that obscure character standing in the background of panel 7? Let me explain their long, complicated origin. You see, he was actually in a background story in Detective Comics number uh, 32. It was very important as he held the door open for Bruce Wayne. <laughs> you think this is a joke? It ain't. Uh, it's not. <laughs> That's Tom King's writing. All right, Chris, so take us into the pick. Okay, every episode, one of us picks their favorite book, and that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. Mwahaha. And my pick of the week goes to Batman number 36, because fucking A, Tom King. Goddamn right. Our companion song is Talk to Me by Peaches, because those damn boys just talk to each other already. Just get over it. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much why. So let's take a listen. fucking video for that goddamn song it's like ghosts and shit in the background it was almost the other talk to me song by uh chick from fleetwood mac why am i drawing a blank on her name she's i don't know when you say talk to me i think of the run the jewels song so <laughs> i did look at that one that one didn't fit the lyrics didn't fit. <laughs> that would be so weird because it's talk to me like lovers do it's apollo moon nighter i know <laughs> All that been perfect. that's why i didn't do it Hey, they have a very special relationship. Let's not judge. Okay, Batman number 36, DC Comics, Super Friends, part one. Written by Tom King, pencils by Clay Mann, inks by Clay Mann and Seth Mann, colors by Jordi Belair. 
There's a lot of mans in Can't this. go wrong with Jordi Belair. As I mentioned with the song, this is an issue for me as a woman, which I found was clearly delightful, was just that men's friendships and what they do and how they're so stubborn and bullheaded and don't talk to each other. But given that, we get an insight on how the two super friends view each other. And we get a nice little insight of the women in their lives and how they connect to them. And just the women just like getting past all that bullshit and going like, hey, how's it going? It has been a delight to see this issue take off on the internet. It instantly after Wednesday saw people posting panels from it and talking about it and I like to see that Tom King's uh, acclaim is getting spread farther than people who I know normally don't read comics and so in this issue has definitely hit that on the head which is saying something because last week's issue with the annual number two was just even so epic it's just like I'm wondering has Tom King hit our mark as the person who's hit the number most number ones on our podcast it's either that or Jason Aaron they have it's to either be either him or Jason Aaron yeah it's getting up there well okay and Anytime there's a Tom King book out, we pick it. And this is unfair because, fuck, the annual followed by this one, I'm just like, you bastard! He's at the top of his game, and his game is spectacular. It's not a dynamic, comic-y, punchy-punchy bad guy book. This is a total case study in friendship and interpersonal communication, and it's wonderful. So what do you guys think? I think you're absolutely right to say that this is a analysis of male friendship and what I think some people might call like sort of toxic masculinity that kind of stands in the way between friends just talking to each other. I mean, Tom King's writing is always brilliant and insightful. What I really like about his writing in this one is not only does it show you the character that is having the dialogue, it tells you what they think about the other person and the relationship between those two things, the insight about the person and the insight about the other person combined to make something really special. And the art in here is really, really great as well. Super good. Not only a, I'm going to say a perfect issue, this is one of the perfect issues of Batman or Superman of all time. This is amazing. My favorite interchanges is when they are getting up through the elevator and they're talking about each other, about how good the other one is. Like everyone wants to be him. Each think that the other person is the better person. Well, I'm not worthy. Yeah. He's just a better man than me. I know. That whole interchange is great. Tom King always does some sort of writing trick to make what he's writing more interesting. And here he does this kind of twinning. We'll have the person having a bit of dialogue, then the other person will have the exact same bit of dialogue so you can see the contrast and the similarities between them. It's really good. You're right, Carissa, with the Catwoman and Lois Lane just kind of cut through the bullshit. I fucking love that. That's the best. They're like, even with superpowers, our men are idiots. Nice to meet you. Like, oh, Jesus, men, whatever. (laughs) These guys are bitches. Let's go get brunch. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I just love, like, Catwoman's like, not your sidekick, I'm your partner. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She's like, "Uh uh-uh. So, you know, those YouTube ads, they seem to have stopped happening for me, but for a while I had just a whole pile of them, and it was like an industry expert doing, well, this is my master class. Tom King needs to do a master class on writing comic books, because I will fucking buy the fuck out of that, because he knows literally how to write comic books for everybody. They're great literature. They're not just throwaway books. His, his dialogue is great. Yeah, his dialogue and like just the pacing, the way he sets it up, like, you're, like Ryan mentioned, the duality of the two conversations going on between the two couples. It really drives it home and makes it just that much more special. 
it's super realistic too, because you can absolutely see these conversations having with somebody else. Like these are very like real, real conversations. He so deftly understands the core of these characters and their common humanity. I mean, we've seen it in the vision. We've seen it in the Mr. Miracle series that's going on. We see it here. He understands how to dissect them down to their core and present them in only a few panels. He's really good at that. It seems like all of his characters really seem to be about what it means to be human really seems to be what his niche is in writing. He does it really well. He wrote the vision book? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Now I gotta go back and read it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's good. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, I become fans of comics and their writing, but then when you see them on like social media and they're really approachable and they really interact with their fans and are really down to earth, it makes me like them that much more. And Tom King is very active on Twitter and he's very, he engages with people and talks to them. And I think that just adds more to the biking him even more. And it's not just knowing writing and being a master writer. He knows comic books. Like he put in references in the annual from the original Batman books the whole we met in an alley we met on a boat he researches that shit yeah he knows this shit and like the villain in this book is dr double x who i don't think has appeared in a comic book in 20 years nobody's gonna know who these fuckers are but i'm like wait i remember reading them in a who's who and i remember actually seeing them in a book but they don't fucking use these characters but yes it's just a cheesy background character but it gets used perfectly in this book and it fits in and it's like you don't have to be ashamed because i know a lot of people are like i don't want to read comic books comics are for kids like you don't have to be ashamed with tom king's writing it's just fucking fantastic we're never going to stop kissing his ass but we might want to stop kissing his ass right now or this episode's gonna be three hours long <laughs> or sucking his dick i don't know if you want to suck his dick hey. too. <laughs> we read this digitally i went out yesterday to brian's comics ding shame um and picked it up a hard copy i'm like i have to own this so good i think you're right that there's a time when you'll see certain panels from comics kind of transcend just comics and have their moment this book actually made me think of a scene in all-star superman where the person is standing on the ledge and superman is kind of like floating in front of her the suicide yes and they have this conversation and you'll see that all the time referenced in things that are not about comic books because it gets to an essential truth and there are parts in here that do that that thing is a mem that gets passed around yeah. Yeah. It's the reason why Superman's a great character. It's the reason why it's like a thing for depression people. It's just used everywhere. I saw it's passed around and it's by people who I know don't read comics, but they really appreciate what what it was doing. Because comics are just a medium to tell stories. The story is the thing. The comic is the format you tell it in. This is why the great comics are written by great writers and not just people who want to write comics. Because Tom King isn't just a great comic book writer, which he is. He's, I don't want to say he's the Grant Morrison of her age, but like Grant Morrison is a fantastic writer. He does super deep cuts like almost every time he fucking writes anything, but he's not super relatable. And I love Grant Morrison, but he's a bit of a fucking weirdo. He is a weird fucking dude. He's brilliant, but... Tom King, he's just good for anybody to read these. I mean, like literally anybody should be able to pick these books up. You'll know the characters. You're familiar with them enough. And the one thing I do have to say is that we were talking about the artwork earlier. Superman actually looks like Superman. Yes. Awesome. I have the such way his- a, yeah, I have such a problem with how he's been drawn and he really looks like he should, he's really Superman. The way his cape moves yeah. is beautifully done. That that problem that you just you're talking about there, mm-hmm. that's the Superman problem that I always talk about. Yes. His writing is always not good. Yes. His, his art is not good. I mean, sometimes he'll get like the perfect combos or the perfect one or the other, but they generally don't care because it's Superman and he's going to sell at least to some good degree. Yeah. They don't care. But then Tom King is a perfect example of you. You take 
a great character and you put a great creative staff in front of it and it becomes something transcendent and this is stuff like this would make it so that everybody could understand and it could be okay to like superman and batman Mm -hmm. but they don't do it and that's why everybody doesn't everybody pans on superman or they pan on batman because you have these characters who should be loved and they were loved for the very longest time and like you'd get a dirty look for saying anything bad about these characters then over time in history and and them just assuming that people are going to like them because of what they are they don't and but they need Tom King level people to do these things. They deserve this level of quality. I'll make them their make them their original characters again that we know and love, not the cheesy whoever is whoever they need to write a cheesy story thrown at them. Here you go. These are actual. These are like the real characters. I I like it a lot. So Catwoman bagging on a uh, Superman's like, sky skills was pretty great. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My favorite part was about where Batman was saying about, I have friends. And it's like, um, no, they're on your payroll, buddy. Like that part about Alfred. I was like, oh my God. That was great. Yeah, I liked that both Lois Lane and Catwoman were kind of dissing Superman's disguise. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Cucumber sandwiches he makes. Oh my God, that man. <laughs> All right, let's, let's rate this. We could talk about this for hours. Matt's right, right. but we need to. Uh, man, there's lots of things I'd want to quote, but I'm just going to give it, I'm actually going to get 5.5. I'm breaking the rules. 5.5. I'm not your uh, sidekick. I'm your partner. I will. I'm going to stick with the rules because I'm a rules follower, sort of. You? I will give it. <laughs> I will give it indeed. <laughs> I will give it five. His whole planet was destroyed. He's the last of a Holocaust. Oh, that was such a good line. It's an insight into oh, the character God. that you don't often see commented on. They do it with Leia sometimes, too. They'll talk about that. Yeah, such a good line, too. I read that. I was like, oh, that cuts. That cuts deep. Uh, I'm going to give it. I will also stick to the rules. Um, I, ah. I, sorry. All right. No, I won't. I'll give it 5.1 just to fuck with everyone. Uh, I will get 5.1. Do you know how many cucumber sandwiches he makes? Fucking Alfred is your man. <laughs> I'm going to give it six because fuck y'all. Oh, so crisis right rules. Fuck every time. It's just Tom King. It's good. It's going to keep getting worse, but I'm going to give it six. So y'all want to get a bite to eat, (laughs) which takes us over to DC universe holiday special. Number one by DC comics. Take a break, Matt. I had to write it. You got to say it. Yeah, but I'm going to edit it. Like I just said it all in one time. All right. So the reminder written by Jeff Lemire pencils by Giuseppe Kim inks by Cam Smith colors by Tamio Morley. It was the night before Christmas written by Denny O'Neill pencils and ink colors by David McCain. You better, (laughs) you better think twice written by Margaret Scott pencils by Phil Hester inks by Snitty Parks. That's probably not right. (laughs) Somebody Parks. Colors by Trish Mulville, Mulville. Going Down Easy, written by Tom King, motherfucking yes. Pencils and inks by Francesco Francavilla. Colors by Clem Robbins. Hope for the Holidays, written by Joshua Williamson. Pencils and inks by Neil Goose. Colors by Ivan Plasencia. Plasencia? Placenta, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) A Wilson Family Christmas, written by Priest. Pencils by Tom Grummet. Inks by Scott Hanna. Colors by Jerome Cox. We're almost there. Power through. Keep going! Driver's Seat, written by Max Landis. Art by Francis Manipool. Silent Night, Atomic Nights, written by Dan DiDio. That's right, motherfuckers. The fucking publisher. <laughs> Pencils by Matthew Clark. Inks by Sean Parsons and Matthew Clark. Colors by Rob Schwager. The Holiday Spirits, written by Shay Fontana. Art by Otto Schmidt. The Echoes of the Abyss, written by Scott Brian Wilson. 
not like Brian Wilson did. Art by Nick Klein and Solstice, written by Greg Ruka. Art by Bilquis Evely. Uh, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. Holy shit! And I thought the Halloween book had a lot of credits. This is an all-star creative cast writing out what has the really good chance of being a seriously big ball of shit. But it wasn't. Because it's so huge, and I'm not going to go into a, a lot of detail about each story, but the whole the thing as a whole is basically a multi-denominational holiday special that covers really deep cuts into the DC universe. As a DC fan, I'm not a only DC fan, I also love Marvel stuff, but I do have to say that DC inches out Marvel for me just a slight bit. This would have been an enjoyable read just as just an anthology book if you take the holidays out. But it, it then seemed to be one of those holiday spirit setters for me, uh, just about as much as watching The Grinch uh, Stole Christmas or Die Hard, two greatest Gremlins. Christmas movies ever. <laughs> Gremlins is the third greatest Christmas movie ever. Love Scrooge. Actually, Never seen Love Actually. <laughs> Scrooge? Oh, Scrooge. Yes, Scrooge is on the list. But Die Hard. Home Alone? Yeah, fuck Home Alone. <laughs> if you're a kid, you will like it. No, I didn't. I didn't. Actually, no, I wasn't a kid. I was like what 17. What was the claymation so. movie? Oh, those Rankin and Bass fucked up 1950s conformity movies? They don't put me in the holiday spirit. They make me go, this is good animation, but Char- fuck. Charlie Brown Christmas does. I love that. Chodes on Christmas? Char- Charlie Brown Christmas. Charlie Brown Christmas. That Charlie Brown Christmas? Um, Where Linus gets up and tells you what the holidays are really about? Yes, I love it. Th- so the reason that I segued into this from the last book is we had a conversation about, where do these guys go to eat? And the answer to where do they go to eat is Bibbo's Bar, the Ace of Clubs. They might not be in costume, because if Superman showed up, Bibbo would just be like, oh! <laughs> because super, uh, Superman is his hero. Um, <laughs> but not enough. So that he can't see past the secret identity of Clark Kent. So the stories that we have here are basically enwrapped in uh, Clark's annual visit to the Ace of Clubs bar. He basically goes there and has some hard drinks, you know, club soda, which was a- another conversation of he could just drink the fucking most strongest alcohol in the world. and It'll be like club soda. Why the fuck would he want to drink club soda of all fucking things? You've got to set a good example for the kids. The good example is you're Superman. You can drink whatever the fuck you want. But Think of the children! But in the bar, John Constantine <laughs> is sitting there drinking, and Bibbo throws him out. And, and we find out that the whole reason that Superman's there is he basically he loses the holiday spirit. He's like, why do I give a shit? <laughs> basically. And then Bibbo proceeds to tell him a bunch of stories, which are the remainder of the book. It's got some super fucking high points, but like every story in here almost is a fucking high point. I thought maybe the Wilson family Christmas, not so much, but even that one I thought was fucking fantastic. The Tom King story is just a fucking just emotional jerker, but it's just short, quick, but it's Tom King. It's just fucking perfect. I I, I really, really liked this book. And then Max Landis, by the way, uh, other than Tom King being the Tom King of Superman, Max Landis fucking knows how to write Superman. They just need to stick him on a fucking Superman book. Like, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. So good. What did you guys think? I'll go last. I had my favorite, uh, definitely the Tom King one. That's one of my favorite artists is um, Frank Avila. And uh, he actually posted a couple images of this like a couple weeks ago. So I was like, I kind of already knew that it was coming. Super good. I also enjoyed the Swamp Thing issue where he was a fucking tree. and <laughs> Oh, in space? <laughs> As the world burns? Yes. <laughs> I remember just seeing, I was like, oh my God, he's mistletoe in a fucking tree. I was like, that shit's awesome. Yeah, that got me. That one I, was the humorous part of 
part of most of this. And the first story was really good and really fucking Oh, dark. shit, yeah. The, the ghost. The, Twas the Night Before Christmas. The ghost grandma. Oh, oh fuck. Yeah. Well, it's Danny O'Neill. It really Denny O'Neill, that fucker writes Batman. Well, here's the thing. I was like, I thought they were. Just, I thought these were supposed to be Christmas stories. These are it fucking is. dark, fucking Christmas stories. Well, fuck the Tom King uh, yeah. Easy Company story. I want an Easy Company book. I don't necessarily want Tom King to write it, but I want him to be the the like editor on the book, and and pick like hand pick somebody to write it. But I want this artist on an Easy Company book, and I want it every fucking month. <laughs> Holy shit, it's so good. If we get. Top level people writing Easy Company. I mean, that's a fucking World War II I mean, book. He, he's a veteran, right? So I mean, he knows how to write that kind of he, stuff. He wasn't know, in the military. He was in the CIA, but he did serve in Iraq in a war zone. You know, so he knows it. So he's seen. He's seen some shit. He's seen some shit. Well, I mean, one of the things he shit. always talks about is what it's like during the day to you know walk ankle deep in blood and then have to go home and be normal. Like how to pull yourself back from death and madness. Superheroes. Yeah. He's yeah. You know, they say write what you know. He's seen some shit. He's dealt with the closest yeah. we have to superheroes and supervillains, so he knows what it's like. And for what we know, maybe he puts on Kevlar at night and runs around and beats people up. We don't know. <laughs> Are we saying that Tom King might be that? I'm. I'm just saying. What do you think of this one, Carissa? I mean, Christina said most of the same things that I was going to mention. So. But we yeah. like the same. We like the same things. Yeah, we like the same stuff. <laughs> but it is really long. It is a trudge to get through, though. In one, it's, yeah. it's eighty-eight pages. That's I a mean, long it is. It's a graphic novel, not an issue, really. Right. It's, yeah, actually, no. This this is a graphic novel. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there are definite high points in here. The "Twas the Night Before Christmas" the ghost story one is a is a standout. The uh, going down easy, the Tom King Easy Company story that I think is my favorite one, where the SS soldier starts singing uh, basically Deutschland über alles, mm-hmm. and then the Jewish soldier who's kind of holding him prisoner starts singing his song. I think that's just such a great contrast. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think those were the two the two best for me. But my problem with a lot of these is they felt like the beginning of a story. Yeah, I felt they were very rushed. I think they could have probably cut maybe a third of these stories and expanded yeah. the rest by, like, you know, a couple extra pages would have really rounded them out. They could have, but I, I don't mind them being there. This is a book you want to read when you've got time and patience. Yeah, so when you're dealing with your family at the holidays... <laughs> grab your iPad. Pull it out. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I think I was probably not as much of a fan as you guys were, but there were some highlights that made it bearable for me. Yeah, some of the ones I did skip over, but the, the three that I liked were, I, I liked them, I read all three of them twice. Yeah. I did like that Max Landis Superman story. Uh, Matt and I were having a conversation that, uh, you know, Max Landis is probably the best current writer of Superman. I mean, I would say Peter J. Tomasi is pretty good at it too, but Tom King also. Those three can write Superman pretty damn well. I agree. Awesome, South. Alrighty, I'm going to give it four and a half. Fuck does not need this. He makes his own life. Um, I gave it three and a half. Easy Company won't go down easy. I'll give it uh, three and three quarters. I can smell your fear. I will give it two and a half, and mainly for the Tom King story, they had faith. Now what do they have? All right, Christina. All right, taking it to the Marvel Universe now. Uh, We're going to Doctor Strange, number 382, Marvel Comics, Loki, Sorcerer Supreme, part two. Written by Donny Cates, pencils and inks by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, colors by Jerry Blair. God, Jerry Blair's great. And busy. (laughs) Jerry Blair's the... The the, The Tom King of coloring? Yeah. 
love Andrea Blair. And on both, you know, on Marvel and DC. Yeah. yeah. And Image. She has her own Image yeah, book, too. that's true. Hardest working wo- woman in coloring. <laughs> we'll, we'll pull together the Avengers of, of comic book makers. <laughs> Matthew Wilson's also a damn fine colorist, too. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Love that guy. But it's a very different style. Yeah. So, I, Doctor Strange or Doctor Doolittle, I don't even know anymore. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I call him Doctor Strange Loki. One <laughs> or the other. I'm very angry at this book. <laughs> I'm very angry at this book, and it's for one reason, which I won't get to the very beginning, but I will get to it. I'm just very angry at this book. So uh, the sweet little bats informs Dr. Strange that Loki has been going after every every magical door. However, he's in front of some regular, some normies, and the people are like, what the fuck is going on? Do you want to explain who Bats is? Oh, Bats is the dog. That's one of Dr. Strange's basically friends. He's a, what is he, a basset hound? Looks like a basset hound. Yeah. So sweet little... Two little sad-looking basset hound. <laughs> a tough little New York basset hound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, is a, he is a little badass bitch. But the best part is these people are like, um, what? Like, he's he's just going on and talking about their cat that they brought in. And, and they're like, wait, wait a minute. Are we not going to just talk about this dog that just came in here and is talking to you? And I love his explanation about, like, he's going on about, like, well, dogs and, you know, animal body and the human body, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, no, no, no. So, and they, we don't see them again. And Dr. Strange comes and talks back into Bats. And he's like, yeah, they, they, uh, they just left and ran and took their cat and just got out of here. So, yeah, there's no explanation for a dog just randomly coming in and talking to people who are not expecting that. I just, just there isn't. So Bats has actually been doing some like secret mission stuff for Dr. Strange and has been, checking out what Loki has been up to. Loki has been looking for a spell. I, he's like some sing song something like like that, but it sings soon. And Doctor Strange is like, "Oh shit. This is this is not good. This is the the explanation was this is like the nuclear launch codes of the magical world. So this shit ain't this ain't going to fly." So he's basically now decided that he's like, "Okay, I got to I got to go see what's up. I'm going to go see what he's doing." And then we get Loki. Why is Loki shirtless? Somebody what does this man not fucking buy a shirt? I do not like how Loki's drawn in this. I don't either. I I got really used to the art style on the previous runs of Doctor Strange. Even when the original author wasn't on it, they kept basically the same art style. Yeah. This is definitely a departure. I just, I think it's, and it's only Loki that bothers me the most. The what irritates me is he doesn't look at all anything like Loki in any of the- and yeah. also Doctor Strange, I don't like how he looks. That shaved hair look, I don't know. He's it's okay. Weird. I mean, at least they explained why he looks different. Yeah, you know? yeah. He's trying to look different. He doesn't want to, yeah, he's he's incognito in a way. But yeah, I just, the way lo- the Loki looks really, really bothers me. So we go to Loki who's trying to, he's basically what he's trying to do is go get through every single door. He's trying to go through all, you know, trying to find all the magical stuff. He's going through every, trying to bust through every single door. And I love that shooting guns is what he thinks is going to, open these doors there's well, he's tried everything else nice yeah he's, i know reference. he's yeah no not gonna not gonna fucking happen so one of the things that is this is super uncomfortable i don't like zelma and him being a couple either that also bothers me so there's there's a lot of things that i don't like but i mean they're legit these are this is a legit story i just these are the things that upset me about this story so dr strange is gonna go and check out you know because bats has told him all this shit he's gonna go check out and see what's going on he I love that he's using his like ethereal form, and so it looks like the dog walking, just randomly walking along the street. People are like, what the fuck is going on? 
And Doctor Strange catches Loki and Zelma kind of making out, and he's just not not happy about this. So he's going to, you know, he's made a plan where he's going to go and break in. He's going to actually talk to Zelma. Well, Zelma is not fucking happy because basically Strange left her and walked out and left her the note. And, you know, that was it. And he's she's fucking pissed off at him. And she she's like, you know, we were friends. How could you do this? You hurt me. And Loki's like, okay, yeah, we're done with this. You're out. Throws Doctor Strange out. Shirtless again. Comes down. He's got the cloak. (laughs) Yeah, he's still shirtless. (laughs) Still awkward. I can smell the Axe body spray on him. Yes, yes, he's very, like, douche bro, Loki. He should be fighting some bears. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, he's not. Not Not shirtless bear fighter? Not shirtless bear fighter. That's a whole other ball of awesome. Uh, So Loki, basically, you know, the the dog is like, he's like, fuck this shit. You can tell because he's got this little, little, you know, what you use for the swearing. You know, get away from my friend, you lousy, probably piece of shit, whatever. And he gets encased in this like kind of magical, you know, bubble-ish. And Doctor Strange is like, no, please, you know, don't do this. He's He's got a weak heart. And it was like, this is the point where I was like, fuck this motherfucking shit. Do not kill the dog. Do not, in my book, ever fucking kill the dog. Mother... Yeah, so, so you don't like Gold Yeller? I do not. I you don't like where the red fern grows? Oh, fuck that motherfucking shit. <laughs> I knew yeah, that. I watched that. And, yeah, any of the ones where you kill the dog, I hate Dances you. Dances with wolves, man. That one I haven't seen. <laughs> well, then don't. <laughs> I'm the one... I know, I'm probably the one person who has not seen that. Seen what? Dances, Dances with wolves. Dances with wolves. There's a dog that dies and dances Socks. with wolves. Yeah. Uh, oh god, it's been thirty years. <laughs> the movie's fine till the end, and then you're like, motherfucker. Yeah. Just any of the, even in like the Harry Potter, the mythical creatures when they attempt to kill some of the mythical creatures, I'm like, no, fucking no. Just it's animals. I have this thing. I can't. People, I don't care. <laughs> Do not Bear, care. Sometimes want, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I am not. Yeah. So that was. I did not enjoy that. And like bats, like last words, like don't, don't ever let no one hurt your friends. It's like. <laughs> yeah, the, fuck, that was a tearjerker. Yeah, that was yep. the. I'm not crying. You're crying. Pull, dusty in here. <laughs> so, where, where where do you stand for like Wolvesbane? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, because humans are okay to kill. Yeah, but then Wolvesbane turns into a werewolf. Uh, <laughs> like fuck yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a gray area. I think that's yeah, a gray yeah. area. So if she's in human form, sure, go ahead. But if she's shapeshifted. Yeah, because if it's an animal, yeah, no. I guess if you're part animal, part human, that's a different word altogether. <laughs> what about Rocket? Oh, if it, I'm going to say if James Gunn ever kills Rocket, I'm going to fucking cry. And I'm going to be very angry. <laughs> Let that be a warning. All men and animals must die. Just- <laughs> just no don't don't do that don't do that don't don't pull my heartstrings like that so that that was heartbreaking very sad very angry fuck loki fuck him right in the ass yeah but i mean even dr strange realizes yes. that loki didn't do it on purpose no he didn't you know? he didn't know and yes the dog you know had probably a heartwormer which is my guess and he yeah. knew that so i don't i don't know i think dr strange i think he realizes it but he at the same time he still doesn't fucking care considering where the book goes from there yeah so <laughs> <laughs> After this, it, basically, this was the, the beginning of the book actually opened with like Doctor Strange was climbing a mountain and he, you know, it, this, he's kind of talking about the story. Basically, it's from his perspective. It's always he's got always his thoughts in his head. Those are always like the, the bubbles on the page. And th- at this point, it seems like he is going all all and out for war because even Donny Cates explained this. He's like, please do not spoil this. Please do not put anything about this on did, social yeah. media. 
He did? Yeah, yes. he did. He did. He did. Okay. He did. Don't, yeah. don't, oh, then I guess we won't say it. No, I'm going to fucking say it. Book's okay. already out. Okay, fuck you, Donnie Cates. What? <laughs> no, he meant like post pictures of panels. Yes. And, he like said, and he also said, because it was on Wednesday, he just didn't want to spoil it for anybody when it came out on why don't? Wednesday. Why don't we just okay. say, without revealing what he does, that he does a thing? He does a, a horrible fucking he thing. He does a horrible fucking thing. He wakens something. We'll just say that. How about that? Yes. That's fair. Yeah. Something dark from the void. Yes. Yeah, I posted Very, very dark. Very, on Donnie Cates that we were covering. See what I did there? I did it thing episode <laughs> yes yeah. so even though this book paid me to read it i still enjoyed it a lot um he is he's pissed he's fucking pissed and i think loki's just still an asshole he's always an asshole he's not good he, he's an asshole i mean that's <gasps> how they do loki in this but he, they he does have remorse that they, a little they're bit. showing character growth for this character a little for bit. the longest time loki's just been this like in the marvel comics he's just been this kind of jackass on the side and then thanks to the movies they've built him into a, a deeper character. I think he's growing into the role of Sorcerer Supreme and kind of... Because his whole thing, right, is there are no rules and I'm going to break them all. Mm-hmm. But I think he's starting to see that there are consequences, you know? So, what do you think of it, Carissa? Um, the drawing, a lot of the drawing style just really bugs me, but I did like this story. I mean, there's parts that made me angry, but it's like, oh, yeah, that's dark. That He should have done that. Oh, that's, uh, that's a thing. You're <laughs> like, ooh... Oh. And I'm sorry, cloaks and uh, and gloves with no shirt on is not a good look on Lucia. Sorry, <laughs> it's weird. He looks like he's supposed to be a wrestler. I don't think him and Zelma are a couple. I think <laughs> Loki's putting the moves on her, and she still isn't really happy. I really liked what happened with Zelma. I like that it illust- it shows you three characters at once. And I I like that when you can do things that show rather than tell. It shows you Doctor Strange abandoning people and being kind of a selfish dick. It shows you Zelma's hurt from that and it shows you Loki being able to worm into those cracks, right, and exploit them. He's going to exploit them. Yes. She's got something. That was the other thing I didn't He doesn't mention. know that she has something yet. Though. Yeah, but he senses it. He senses there's so- he's, it's- something important yes, about her. There's something unique. There's something special. But, I mean, I think at this point he probably thinks she's just like Wong, you know. Which is, I think she's clear. Well, yes, that I think that is her role that she is playing is is clear. No, I literally think she's clear. Are you sure? I think she's like he put Clea here, like inside Zelma, to keep her safe. I think Clea's inside it's her, her. Her soul. Yeah, from like the um, from the the things that were eating magic. Oh, the empirical. Yeah, pure kill. Pure kill. I think the art for Loki really bugs me because not only does it look bad and wrong, it doesn't actually fit the rest of the style of the Mm-mm. book. Like his face doesn't look like anyone else's. You know, so I just think that that is a big distraction for the book. Like artists, you got to fix your Loki because that that shit is not good. Yeah, seriously, it's just we've we've said this before. It's it's just not right. Is the problem? It doesn't look right. Yeah. Like go look at our, go look at Loki. Like bats and any Loki. Fine. Yeah, I mean the story has really good parts with it. Like yes. we've talked about the bats, the little basset hound uh, dying and you know defending his little friends. Like he's the animal version to me of like, hey, I'm walking here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Like, he's... He's got a little attitude. He's got that New York attitude. Like, he ain't taking shit from anybody, you know, and don't mess with his friends. He's like the epitome of a dog, right? That they will always defend their people. Yeah. It's touching. I liked him. Yeah, my thing is, the art kind of seems like a a less refined and more sketchy version of Frank Quietly, or at least that's what the artist seems to be trying to get at, and it, like, doesn't always work. There's some weird, there's some weird looks from Loki, especially... That bothers me. Oh, it is a great book. I just it's looked at the story. I just look at the page with Doctor Strange sitting over bats. I'm like, ah. 
Yeah. Sad. It's that crane shot, right? Yes. The no, that they always have. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll wait it before yep. I start crying again. I have a thing about dogs, especially. Uh, I will give it three and three quarters. Come on, you big creep fucker. I'm gonna give it four. So it's entirely possible that my response to all of this was. Oh yeah, <laughs> a bit rad. I'm going to give it four. It occurs to me now that I should also point out that I'm able to perform magic spells. <laughs> I will give it four. Don't ever let no one hurt your friends. Oh. Yeah. So So, talking about friends, we're going to head over to Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, number one, from DC Comics and IDW, A Night in New York, written by James Taney in the fourth, pencils and inks by Freddie Williams the second, colors by Jeremy Caldwell. Dimensional travel, Lazarus pits, ninjas, hold on to your batarangs and shells, things are about to get real weird. The turtles are back in their dimension, battling the factions of the Foot Clan Civil War. Uh, From the previous TMNT Batman crossover, they had the Dimensional shifts everyone's kind of back in their dimensions now they go to fight the foot clan donatello gets his ass handed to him and has this whole thing where he's worried about being the weakest fighter of the turtles and he goes to splinter for guidance who assures him that there are all kinds of strength you know that each of the turtles is good at something but donatello is not really happy with that answer because he's met an ass-kicking nerd ninja before batman and no one can really measure up to batman but that's his new ideal so he goes to use the machine that brought them together in the first time and we kind of also have this parallel story going on with Batman and Damien as Robin who are tracking down a Lazarus pit under Gotham that's being controlled by this breakaway faction of the League of Shadows that are using it to imbue who they want to be their new leader Bane with the powers of Lazarus pit which really is pretty a pretty terrifying concept like Bane is already one of the most dangerous people in the DC universe and then you give him the power of the Lazarus pit too things are fucked up so through a series of comic book coincidences and fights Donatello gets ambushed by some ninjas in the machine and they start fighting and he basically falls on a like a lever that activates the dimensional portal and he and Bane switch places so now Bane is back in the turtle dimension and Donatello is in the DC universe and this is where you find out both dimensions are in danger and are going to need to to come together to battle this so I had kind of mixed feelings about this book the first Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book was actually pretty good because you had a lot of reactions to Batman from the Turtles that I thought really drove it home here. And maybe future issues will have that, but this one, they're they're separated here in issue one, so you don't really get that interplay. You get two kind of mediocre Turtle and Batman stories together that I'm really looking forward to their interactions, not so much their individual stories here. I did like the part with Splinter telling Donatello about different types of strength. I thought that was pretty cool. I think the idea of Bane being empowered by a Lazarus Pit is interesting but overall i found this one kind of lacking in my opinion what did you guys think of i it? do not like teenage mutant ninja turtles it really didn't capture <laughs> this is not my jam i like the teenage ninja turtles when they're when their masks are all red and i'm old get off my lawn I just don't i mean the turtle parts were okay but every time batman was on the screen i didn't like it but at the same time it's called batman teenage mutant ninja turtles number two and he's barely fucking in it and i just the art is competently done but like don't it would have been so much better as a black and white book. It would have been better as a black and white book. I think it might be the colors. It's just too... It's going to sound weird. It's too bold. It's too, like, yeah, defined. I think, I think both Batman and the Turtles, 
at their best are dark and muted and characters in the shadows. And here the coloring is almost like too, too cartoony, too bright. Yeah. And, and it's just like, there's, they use these like really thick lines on fucking everything. And to compensate for that, everybody gets this white halo and it just yep. doesn't oh, yeah. look right. I see that. And yeah. As soon as you point that out, I see yeah, it. Yeah. Now it's like, Oh, now I can't unsee it. Yeah. Fuck Matt. Thanks. <laughs> can't unsee. I mean, that's- that's a turtle's thing. I mean, I've always remembered stuff like that because that's how uh, Eastman and Lear did the book back then when it was a black and white book. And if it was a black and white book, it might make sense. But it's not. It's like a, I don't know how they did this exactly, colored or prisma colors or fucking something. It just, and And I'm like, and I just don't care about the story. I don't think the story is as clear as it could be. Like, there's stuff with the Foot Clan that if you've been reading the TMNT book, you'll understand. But if you haven't, I think it'll be confusing. And I don't know, I I just feel like they tried to do a lot in this first issue and didn't really give things time to really breathe. Like, they spent too much time on the wrong things. And I didn't read the previous book, so I'm like, The previous book was pretty, pretty good because you had the turtles kind of reacting to how awesome and weird and terrifying Batman is. Like, you had, like, turtles, like, riding, like, the the T-Rex in the Batcave and, you know, stealing the, the Batmobile and taking it out for, like, a joyride. You had cool stuff like that. And you also had all of the DC bad guys getting turned into like mutant animals by Splinter. That those were cool things, at least in my opinion. I enjoy that kind of stuff. But this yeah, one lacks joy. I, yeah, I never super got into turtle. Yeah, I'm right there I with think you. Part of my problem. This, this, what were you, this to me is boring. What were you trying to say, Carissa? I said the the first one was at least entertaining. It's what you would expect if someone was going to go gung ho and mish, mishmash the two together. This one just didn't capture me. Yeah, the first one was like if you had some teenage mutant ninja turtle action figures and some like Batman action figures and you just kind of like mashed them together like there was that sense of joy to it this one is doesn't have that sense of joy to it seems like this one was written because the first one did well so they want to you know cash in on it again yeah no we're not we're not cashing that check all right i'm gonna rate it because i don't think anyone is a super big fan of this has much to say about it uh let me i will give it Three, they say the demon offered you the power before, and you rejected it. Uh, I gave it two and a half. A prison then? Very well. Let's begin. I like that line, actually. I give it two. Two. Cowabunga. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll give it two and a half. What I feel now is not madness. That is madness. <laughs> uh, I uh. The pain was the best part. <laughs> <laughs> and just what you did, Matt, not the comic book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Everybody pans that voice, but I can't not read Bane's no, voice. No, I like the voice. So I hear, have you, you've heard Doug Benson doing it, right? That's how yeah. I hear it every single time is how <laughs> Doug Benson does it. He does it on his, one of his podcasts. All right. So Kevin Smith does it. Too. Yeah. Oh yeah. His is good when too. he sings. Yeah, Kevin Smith yeah. is really good. Oh, his is good too. Damn. They do an Adam West Bane uh, oh, mashup oh, of yes. songs. It's pretty oh, funny. Babylon. Yes. yes. Yeah. All right. So we like comic, cool comic related stuff. And we got some stuff that we think you might like. We're going to list our top five essential trades graphic novels for each of us. Uh, who wants to go first? Matt? Well, I've got mine already listed out. So I'll go ahead and Why don't go. you do it? I have my list too, but. These are in, in no particular order, but my top five trades would be Justice League New Frontier, which is a Darwin Cook, Darwin Cook book, or rest in peace, Darwin Cook. All-Star Superman, which is, you know, 
Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly. Uh, Planetary Omnibus, which is Warren Ellis. It's ridiculously fucking big. And if anybody wants to get it for me, it's on my wish list. (laughs) (laughs) I have all the books. I just, the Omnibus is like this massive hardcover book. It's a fuck. Uh, but I love Planetary. It's like in my top three comics of all time. Uh, Watchmen, duh. Should be on and, everybody's list. <laughs> yeah. And Ultimates Season 1. Ultimates is kind of where the Avengers movie and the Marvel Cinematic Universe came from. But Ultimates Season 1 has just a pile of just fantastic scenes. Like the Freddie Prince Jr. Hulk rant. <laughs> and I, I can't remember if it's in Season 1 or Season 2 where Captain America drops a building on Giant Man. But uh, Ultimate Season 1 kind of kicks. It, it's not the kickoff of the Marvel, uh, like the Ultimate universe it's kind of in the middle of it but it's such a good fucking book because it's the collected ultimate season one uh story and it's just really fun so i my first three are probably books that actually got me back into reading comics after being off and on comics for quite a while so i thought i'd share those um essential for the goth girl and everyone sandman volume one preludes and nocturnes by neil gaiman Mm. uh another one this was years later uh other good one for goth girls and there's going to be a netflix series on it umbrella academy volume one of pop up suite by gerard way and gabrielle bob uh a music somebody something someone who is really into music which is what another one this was another one that got me back into reading comics after a couple years the wicked and divine volume one the foul stacked by karen gillen and jamie kelvey and this is a, another essential for everybody saga volume one brian k vaughn and fiona staples and we talked about this a little bit earlier and this was like if you have a star wars fan who doesn't read comics, they should really enjoy these. Star Wars Volume 1, Skywalker Strikes Back by Jason Aaron and John Cassidy. I will... My five, Watchmen. I think it is uh, such an essential piece of comic book lore and shows you what comics can do. In that same vein, Dark Knight Returns, I think, is probably one of the best Batman stories ever written. Uh, and you'll see it referenced over and over and over again. So I think that is one that you definitely should have. I also will go for Saga Volume 1. Saga is really something special and will take you to places that are both fantastic but emotionally true. And you're going to see some weird shit that you ain't seen before. The dragon's so, their own dick. Yeah, yeah. I think you got it signed on that page, I right? I did. <laughs> so Brian K. Vaughn apparently has read some or watch some kevin smith (laughs) no doubt (laughs) i also will oh god i lost my train of thought fuck um saga the first part of your list seems like everything Zack snyder's ever read about comic book (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i also will include preacher volume one preacher is the first comic book that i read that wasn't really a superhero book that made me see comics as something more than that And then the book that got me back into comics, this is one of my favorite Batman stories, is Batman the Long Halloween. It will give you, every issue is basically a Batman supervillain. So it's a really good insight into those characters, kind of in a noir setting. It's fantastic. Alrighty. I have um, Runaways Volume 1, The Hardback uh, Trade, Brian K. Vaughn, obvious reasons. I love that issue. I have uh, Fables Volume Trade Volume 3, Storybook Love. It's the one where it basically focuses on Big B and Stowe's relationship and it is full of romance and this I love it so much. I have all the fables. That is my favorite arc. Um, I have um, Spider-Woman Shifting Gears Volume 1 Baby Talk um, that is hopeless. It, it's just such a, it was such a dramatic turn for that character and so real and I think it's something really special done in comics even though I know it's fairly new. 
Um, me, because I love manga, I would suggest Fushigi Yugi, um, the This Is Big Edition Omnibus Volume 2. It really gets in the heart of the romance, and it is one of my favorite mangas of all time, and therefore also a graphic novel, and this has, is a really, this, this version of the story is a really, it's really good for its price point. You get a huge version at a big format, and it's really cool. Um, all right, guys, so that should help you with your, four. oh, that's only four? Oh! Never mind. Jeez. Never mind. And then I was gonna. I also had Watchmen on my list because it is just a down and out, full on classic must read for anybody. I think. Is that five? Yes. <laughs> okay, four plus one. Yes, it's five. <laughs> <laughs> I do math for I a living. Do math. I was trying to name <laughs> no, my. No, you don't. You always told me you don't laugh. do math. These are math. I mentioned manga in mine. I you, you do you. That's fine. I was gonna People men- like that. I was gonna mention Watchmen because everybody fucking mentioned Watchmen. <laughs> so I was like, you get some other shit, bitches. Fine. You know what, Watchmen? Here's another manga. Get Red River. Super romantic. I love the romance manga. Go go get All it. All right, so that should give everybody a lot of stuff for their holiday wish list and things to to get for their friends. So enjoy. Just dump your lists into the uh, into the notes here. Yep. yep. All way. right. Well, are we doing that now? or I just meant later. Later. Okay. All right, why don't you take us off into space for some of your favorites, Carissa? Oh, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy 148, Marvel Comics, Jungle Land, written by Gary Duggan, pencils and inks by Marcus Two. is that right? Colors by Ian Herring. This is just a continued story of the Guardians in their dis- quote-unquote disguises, trying to red out some turncoats within the Nova Corps. In this one, it's Drax's turn to make a discovery, and he learns about traitors who, and how... Thanos did escape and it had nothing to do with them and where Thanos might be going. And we find where is it Rick this Nova? Which Rick which Nova is it that's hanging out with Rich, Rich Ryder. Rich Ryder, sorry, I was right. Ryder and Quill fake some death to cover up this giant huge fuck ass infinity stone, which is they do quote that is not a normal size of an infinity stone. So they fake some deaths and things go on. So what do you guys think? It's more continuous, it's not very exciting. It's just a continuation of the story. Um, we're not gonna talk about Drax and the saxophone well he's always playing that thing now <laughs> that was my favorite part <laughs> yeah. <a> bruce springsteen song <laughs> yep yeah. well he's been doing that for a while now i'm not so surprised by it anymore but we got like three pages of it so i think this has probably been one of the better nova books of all time. <laughs> yeah. but we did actually get some news just recently i think it was posted today or friday or very recently there's only two more issues left in the guardians of the galaxy series uh, so i think what we're seeing is what they're actually intending on doing with the go forward stories they're canceling guardians so sad well I'm- they're canceling guardians so they can go with like a cosmic yeah. pile of books which mm-hmm. is where guardians kind of started yeah. out so it's about as legacy as you can get i did think it's funny how they're like drax we know it's you that's not a very good disguise <laughs> Yeah, Drax kind of stands out in the crowd. (laughs) There are parts I really liked in this Nova issue, this Nova book. Uh, I like the parts with Rocket. I just think he is hilarious that he is like the thief to catch a thief. I think that those parts are really good. I really enjoyed the insight into Drax where they say that, you know, we know you're not going to kill us. And his response is basically, the problem is I like killing too much. Yeah, that one is a good line. (laughs) And I'm a very terrible pacifist. I thought that was kind of interesting i'm not so crazy about the saxophone parts i know you guys seem to like it that's that's what i (laughs) but i i thought this had good moments for it but i kind of wish if they really were going to end guardians that they wouldn't have ended it by with a nova book but you know you get what you get so i don't think they're really ending guardians i think what they've been doing for the last like entire series of guardians is what it's just going to become is it's just going to be like a cosmic pile of stuff 
which is, I mean, it's like basically the Nihilus wave. They're doing what Legacy is supposed to do. They're taking it back to its root. Getting Cosmo back is great. I mean. Yeah, I loved Cosmo. I, that was the. That was pretty rad. That was the highlight. <laughs> <laughs> that was the highlight of the book was Cosmo. <laughs> The Guardians are, they're like an epic story kind of character group. And doing an ongoing story with the Guardians is not, I mean, some people have done it. Bendis is really good at it, but it's really hard to do because like the, what everybody gets when they, they pick up the book is they're expecting the movies. And those movies are all big epic stories, right? And the, an ongoing comic isn't necessarily like that. And it's, it's hard to write that unless, you know, you're the people who did Valerian. Um, so it, it, it's, it's just kind of hard to do. And I think they're just like, okay, well, we have all these other cosmic stories, but not any one of them can carry a book. So let's just get rid of all of them and then we'll just have like this over this is like zone mm-hmm. of cosmic stories so we're still gonna yeah. get guardian stuff which is not every month we're gonna have a guardians book let's have a cosmo book right, sorry we got rid of that <laughs> yeah i gave it three and three quarters take naughty tree to airlock i'm gonna give it three and a half and bring cosmo his helmet cosmo need to find guardians of galaxy are we all gonna do cosmo quotes i will give it four cosmo is reconsidering having saved you you are a bitch, and you took mine. <laughs> <laughs> use Cosmo get reports of trees attacking across what galaxy. What the fuck was with the Groot thing? Don't, you haven't been keeping up with. No. Oh. <laughs> so the reason why Groot's a baby is because some of the the gardeners t- took most of his life force out and split it off into these creation things that he's releasing to cause havoc across the universe. Dick. The gardener is one of the elders, like the collector and the game or grandmaster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he went fucking insane a few years Loki. ago. Thanks yeah. to Loki. Fuck everything. Fuck Loki. <laughs> well, it was square jawed Loki, not They're the not, good Loki. None of the them are good. They're not good. Rate it. Oh, fuck. We took her. They took all my things. He's got one more I line. Know. It's not that there's good. There's like, is okay. There's I am hell. There's. Yeah, that was going to. I am hell. Was a... Actually, that like You know that. what? I will just give it uh, two and a half. Thank you, Cosmo. Because you're, you're the only good thing in this book. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! It was fine. It's fine. There's some. There's some funny stuff. The saxophone was pretty funny. There, there was. There was a couple nice little stories about the lady and the kids and stuff. The three. You, you saved three souls. Cheesy. But All right. <laughs> still in space. <laughs> Ah, yes, we're still in space with Jetsons number two by DC Comics. Quiet Night of Quiet Stars, written by Jimmy Palmati, pencils and inks by Pierre Brito, and colors by Alex Sinclair. We continue the modern telling of everyone's space-age family in their tale of oncoming apocalypse, part two. The remnant of the previous visitor from another planet continues its journey across the globe, but now it's causing more issues with the technology that keeps the floating cities of the future in the air. Elroy's caught in the middle while talking to his girlfriend, Seems to be a little frisky. George is then picked to go down and tackle the issue, and at the same time, Jane is also getting sent down from the International Space Station. We're heading towards George's birthday, which is sure to end with a bang. (laughs) And something interesting is happening with the visitor, uh, which is down under the water, because it looks like it might be alive, and it's, like, causing tendrils to come out. My best guess is the thing that's going to come pick it up is its mom, and everybody's going to be okay. The thing's going to stop before it gets Mm. to the Earth. And we're going to have a silly ending because it's (laughs) the Jetsons. What did you guess? I hate the Jetsons. I hate that. I hated that cartoon. Well, what do you think so of the much. comic? Though? Hate this book? It's fine. It's fine. I would. I would not read this. This is not me. The- You're like, damn you, Matt. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh shit. This is fantastic compared to the cartoon. Oh, I hate them. I just hate the characters. I don't. I also really don't like the artwork in this. Is it because it's a misogynistic part of the patriarchy? No, it's awful. They don't really look like the Jetsons characters so much. Um, 
I think the biggest departure is really Jane. Like, the other characters at least seem, you can see their roots. Jane, I think, because she's so 1960s housewife that that's not a compelling modern character. So they kind of went in the complete opposite direction. But it doesn't really ring true to me for that character. Yeah, I'm just like, so did you kill the former wife and replace (laughs) her? This doesn't seem like the Jetsons at all. Like, it just seems like a space family. I do really like what they did with Rosie. I think those parts are fantastic. Rosie looks cool. I do have to say, Rose- Rosie the grandma. <laughs> Rosie got an upgrade. The weird grandma. <laughs> did you do him? I'm like, what? what? <laughs> but I, but I think this one lost some of the 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 magic and interest for me that issue one had. Uh, and I can't really put my finger on it about what's different about it. But this issue doesn't really seem to be telling a very compelling story to it. This seems like a bridge to the next issue. It should have maybe just been a one-shot. Well, they did a Jetsons one-shot, and it was so popular that then they did a series where you find out about how their grandmother dies and puts her soul into the robot, or consciousness, I guess, into the robot, and... As part of story pacing, this is the second issue is never generally going to be a big good one. We're we're, we're in the, the little, like, the filler part of the story and then we get up to you know like where they're gonna have the climax and I then did the, not like this is the boring part of and pretty much any story so not to not to try to be apologetic for it but i, I agree this is kind of uh, <sighs> but i expected this i liked more. issue one not so much this issue so i'm still not quite decided on the series um i'll give it two and three quarters little do you know i will give it two and a half perhaps they're damaged as well i give it one and a half you can see aster in some of the panels i'm gonna give it one and a half bark bubble oh <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's just reference to a picture in there <laughs> it looks like she's farting and that's what this book is to me <laughs> why don't you take us over to image oh no you picked i know shot literally should have just shot myself in the face this is the B-side of the episode. Fuck, it is. Uh, so, Paradiso number one, Image Comics, written by Ram V. Pencils, inks by Devonalka, Promic, colors by... I. That's, that's how... That is the correct... It's not a word. Dear Habla, Kelly, and Alex Alazo. So, I think what they were... I think what they were going... I think what they were going for here was kind of like a Mad Max, cyberpunk kind of epic story. That's my guess. This is Alita. This is Alita Battle okay. Angel. While I was reading this, I, I've like, cause I saw the trailer for that and I'm like, this is really fucking familiar. But it's like steampunk meets Alita Battle okay. Angel is what I got I out of it. I see that. This is not good. With a little bit of, of, uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not giving any sort of I hear you, Matt. Japanimation, any of that to this. This was like really bad Mad Max, really bad. I want to be cyberpunk, really bad. I have no idea what the fuck is going. This was very confusing and very boring. I agree with you that it's, it is confusing and boring. I, it was not. I, I, there's nothing good I could say about this book. I there was some cool, like there was a cool little, a couple characters that looked kind of cool, but there's nothing interesting going on here. I have no idea what they're doing. It seems like they're trying. The reason why I also gave the Mad Max thing is where it's like they're trying to get to the city that may not exist. That's the only tying thread where they're all trying to get to this place called Paradiso. That's it. Don't like it. Why didn't I read the other number one of Image? <laughs> what do you think, Carissa? <laughs> mm, I I thought it was kind of boring. I didn't really care for it. Oh, the best part at the end was where they have the preview of Void Trip, which we also shat on. Yeah, I was like, really? Oh, yeah. You're going to highlight? <laughs> I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's like one floater of a turd advertising another. I know! <laughs> I can really see Matt's uh, the, the correlations to the, the titles that he mentioned, except for those titles are good. <laughs> yeah. They took everything not good about those other titles. I mean, yeah. 
And I'm like, part of part of what gets this or loses this for me is like when I when I read something post apocalyptic, I need to be able to recognize where the apocalypse happens. Just random city doesn't fucking Not, do it. For yeah, me. I wanted to at least give us maybe a couple pages of some history, and it seems like they were trying to do that, but it really it didn't. No, it didn't help at all. Yeah, I mean that's like that's where Mad Max goes through. I mean it's Australia, so I don't know Australia, right? But like, it, seems like a real place, right? It seems yeah. like a real place, and like they, you see Sydney in a certain, like the end of one of the Mad Max movies. This one is just random fucking sci-fi story yeah. with some vaguely human- right. Like what? I'm not even convinced this is Earth's apocalypse, and I don't care nope. about fake exactly. plan- unless it's Krypton. I don't give a shit about your fake apocalypse. Yeah, I, there's two apocalypses <laughs> I care about, like that robot toy that should have been straight up like a, a hu- like a that's toy Buzz Lightyear, something like that. It's uh, technically supposed to be Buzz Lightyear, but they could have made it look a little bit more like... Not without getting the shit suit out of him (laughs) by Big Mouse. (laughs) But, but I mean, like, they could have done something else less just generic. It was really generic. Yeah, I agree. Like, it it had the chance of being good. It's a semi-interesting idea, but it's like, you didn't do it very well. No, it was not executed well. Like, from what we've said, because of these other stories that already did this fucking story, those guys did it well. Pass. No, no, that's not wrong segment. <laughs> no, right segment, right segment. <laughs> oh. no, we're clearly complaining on the internet. <laughs> it's one giant turd. Yeah, this there is true. Go. We are complaining about the internet. <laughs> Here you go. I read it. One giant turd. Um, I'll give it um, two. He has weird hoses in his hand. I will give it mm, one point seven five. I'm not telling you shit until I get what I want. I'll give it two, just because the art was not good, but okay. It was kind of European. <laughs> Uh, I'll give it to I'll give it to fucking look at it. All right, I'm gonna take us back over to Marvel for Captain America number six ninety six from Marvel Comics, Home of the Brave Part Two, Capture the Flag, written by Mark Wade, pencils and inks by Chris Somney, colors by Matthew Wilson. So Steve is out on his Easy Rider cross country redemption, finding yourself tour of Middle America. He's trying to get out of his New York City bubble, and he's eating at small town diners in exchange for doing dishes, real Americana type stuff. However, every Marvel town has a D-list villain somewhere, and the swordsman is at the local dam. For some reason. For some reason. Is at the local dam with a dastardly and dumb plan to sabotage the local dam and flood the town using his powers, a vibranium sword, and a pervy pencil mustache. And a skirt. Uh, he and Cap do battle in some actually kind of decent fight scenes, and Cap uses the sword to stop the town from being wiped out in what I thought was kind of clever. Uh, Cap rides off into the sunset with the gratitude of the town, bag of homemade chili. Maybe not the best cross-country road trip food, but Steve's mama taught him some manners, so he accepts the gift and rides off into the sunset on his way to his next folks' adventure. gas propelling him all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. When he farts, is in the tune of Yankee Doodle Dandy? <laughs> <laughs> yes and god bless america at the same time so i don't think that people understand how comic book physics work like i really should expect mark wade to understand this but both of those things fucking absorb vibration nothing should happen when they hit each they other like, they should just go in like like and it'd be both of them go boop. like oh 
Just a boop. So I did like the actual fight between the swordsman and Captain America. There are parts where you kind of pull back from the fight and you just see kind of like almost like silhouettes fighting each other. And you kind of get that motion and panel that I enjoy a lot. And then you also get where they zoom in on the fight as well. And I like that it's not so much the swordsman that is the part that's challenging to shut down. It's the dam itself that is going to flood the town. I like his Archimedes reference with it. You know, if you give him somewhere to stand and a lever he can move with the world. I liked that. So there were parts that I I liked. I'm not quite buying this whole redemption tour. It almost seems like it's too easy. Because like everywhere he goes, you know, real Americans, quote unquote, like still love Captain America. I want the person who comes up to him and tells him about the real harm that he did to them. You know, like there should be, if he's going for redemption, he should have to face what he did. And this seems like just too much of a we forgive you, Cap. You know, like they're not really tackling that issue so much. I was expecting the entire time when he got to the diner that there was going to be some shady like racist shit going on and like the one the steve that he liked was like hydra steve and he thought that that's who this was like because also right like we're still with you cap yeah that would have been awesome yes maybe that's because that would be like a good story and this just seems like a whole hey guys everybody remember cap we all love him remember you love this guy the first issue not the first issue but the last issue of captain america was really good because you had you know, there was still that undercurrent, right? You still had the Hydra cult that was trying to revamp and you got to see really the essential goodness of Captain America. Like, I still think those lines about, you know, the strong protect the weak, like those were really good Captain America lines. Here, he doesn't really do anything to really inspire anyone. And it doesn't seem like the people themselves have been caught up in the aftermath of the Hydra thing. Just seems too easy. It, seems to very it does look it as well. Yeah, see, it, the artwork very looks retro. very retro. Thought for the legacy the, the, and I, I like that too. Though, i like for, it but it made me feel like oh for legacy the only thing you did was make it look like it was old yeah and it, the guy who runs the diner is pop from archie totally <laughs> who runs the diner i was literally i'm like is, is archie gonna be in the background oh, that would have been, awesome. been kind of cool <laughs> that would have been interesting <laughs> didn't do that There's not a ra- random ra- i don't think this sucks no they don't <laughs> suck no the book doesn't suck i just like the whole you guys could have done that and that would have been cool but you didn't my favorite it. part is when he gets his bell ring and you see this, this twinkly little stars around cap's head also w- yeah what the fuck? Wh- whose idea was it to fucking make, and probably Jack Kirby, for some bizarre reason, the swordsman costume fucking fuchsia? <laughs> I know that, that's what the classic costume looks like, but fucking why? Except- it's the worst. Like, the design of the costume is fine if it was different colors. It stands out. But no one, yeah, I guess, but, like, I just keep expecting him to be, like, this generic, like, bad, uh, like, but, like, he... He comes out of the closet. With the arrow pointing at his junk, it reminds me of those weird shirts that say the man, the legend, has an arrow pointing at his junk. It also kind of looks like a print symbol in one one picture. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like you expect him to be like the stereotypical gay guy in this outfit. I'm just like, (laughs) dude, you change the outfit, change the colors. His ass cape. (laughs) Yeah, it's his ass cape. Yeah. His ass cape and cold shoulder top. It's like, come on, dude. <laughs> He's fancy. Look at his mustache. All right, let's 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 rate it and, and move on. We're running almost two hours here. All right, so I will give it three and a half. Give me a lever and a fulcrum and I can move the world. I will give it three and a half. All right, fair trade. This one time, take care. I gave it three, <laughs> Capkin and his bell rung. I'll give it three and a quarter. Come get it. <laughs>
All right. Now for pool pass or complain about it on the internet, which I already tried to do, but nobody accepted that. <laughs> uh, so we got Batman, White Knight, number three, DC Comics, written by Sean Murphy, pencils and inks by Sean Murphy, colors by Matt Hollingsworth. I, I'm going to pull it. I So it looks like the other book that they did together, and I like the artwork on it. It's the, the ninja one. I, too, would pull it just because it has that one scene that was very heartbreaking for me. And I think the part with Alfred and it's just very poignant. And I think that is very important. Yes. I also will pull I'm it. Somewhere between pass and pull. It's almost a pull for me, but I mostly don't care about this book. But sometimes like I, I literally only cared about that one part. The rest of it I could care less about. <laughs> I'm kind of there, but I'm not quite there. Has these. Moving on. Avengers 974 Marvel Comics Worlds Collide Part 5 written by Mark Wade, Art by Jesus Says. Jesus, Jesus Says. Jesus Says. <laughs> I'm going to pass. I don't really like it. There's some good parts to it, but still, I'm going to pass. I know you guys have been reading this. I was going to pull it just for the Viv part, because I really like Viv. The rest of it would be yep. a... That's the only good The part. rest of it yep. would be a pass, but just because I really think Viv is important, I would I give it a pull for just that part alone. I will pull it. I might be alone in this, but I really like Worlds Collide. I'm going to pull the last five pages of the exactly. issue. Because, yes, you're alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Amazing Spider-Man and Venom. Venom, Inc. number one. Marvel Comics, written by Dan Slott and Mike Costa. Pencils and inks by Ryan Stegman. Colors by Brian Reber. Why do you fucking put a Venom book? You know I'm just going to pass. I, too, pass. <laughs> <laughs> Some people might like it. That's why I don't complain on the internet. Venom is for somebody. Yeah. It's not for I, me. It is, just not me. Mr. Matt? I don't know. Mostly pass on this one. I, 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 I don't care about Venom. Yes, that's the problem. <laughs> I'm between a pull and a pass. There are Venoms I like, but I don't like Eddie Brock. They do some pretty damn good uh, Spider-Man drawings, though. So I- I'm between There's no pull Rocket and pass. Venom in here, so he did not win me over. But yeah, okay. <laughs> There's a couple of Brocks in this that look straight out of like Todd McFarlane. Yes. Like the pinched yes. face. Like oh, I like hate there's that. like a vacuum behind his face, and it's just sucking Eddie Brock's face in at the nose. Oh, I hate no. All right. So normally we talk about our books for the next upcoming but week. We're taking a break for a couple of weeks for the holidays. So you enjoy your holidays because we're going to enjoy ours. And we will be back. The hangovers commence. Ah! so that was the world of comics for this week you can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans including our other podcast on original streaming media cut the cord at fourcolornerds.com or our facebook page you can follow us on twitter and instagram or on itunes and google play music on stitcher on soundcloud and on podcast addict be sure to rate review and subscribe be sure to come back next week for another episode until then keep reading nerds why didn't you hit the record button what? Oh my god. I'm, just, I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. Oh my god! <laughs> that would have been the point where you said, okay, so everybody just needs to upload their files from Audacity or GarageBand. Oh!